Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for the races of Thursday, September 15th. It's also an important night because it is the Big Ten Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge Championship at Canterbury Park. And those are the races we're going to be talking about. We'll be looking at the last five races on the card. And to do that with me, we bring in first a man who's a first-time guest on the show. Very excited to have him on because I've been enjoying the work he's done on the Canterbury simulcast feed this meet. He is Kevin Gorg. Kevin, how are things? Pete, things are great. Final week of the racing season. Uh, very bittersweet for all of us in the press box, but we've got three outstanding cards, including the card we're going to talk about here Thursday. Excited for this week. You're somebody, Kevin, who I know also has a, a background doing other sports coverage. How, for you, does horse racing fit into that overall portfolio? I'm very lucky in that I'm a, a lover of horses and hockey, kind of like Ed Olchuk. And so I work <laughs> the beat with the Minnesota Wild. I have since 2006 as their uh, TV sideline reporter. And so our training camp with the Wild starts September 21st. We close up at Canterbury this Saturday, the 17th of September. And uh, so it, it actually meshes very, very well. Uh, but, you know, we just love our summers here in Minnesota because we know what's coming. Fall is beautiful here, but, you know, by the time we get to November, all bets are off. We'll be shoveling snow. <laughs> Great stuff. We're also bringing into the broadcast team a man we haven't heard enough from him lately. I haven't been bothering him, though. He does a great job whenever he's on the show. We've had him analyzing various racetracks around the country. Hopefully, you're following him on his YouTube channel as well. We'll have him talk about that. And part of why we thought of him for this show is because he actually qualified for the BCBC in last year's uh, event, the equivalent event. He is, of course, Howard Kravitz. Howard, how are you, my friend? Pete, I'm doing great. We're going to try to bring back some memories from uh, last year. Great to be back on the In the Money Airwaves. Miss you guys. I uh, always do a great job. And Kevin, great to be with you again. You too, Howard. Good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's start actually with the plug, Howard. Tell folks uh, what you've had going on on the channel and the easiest way for folks to find it. Yeah. So the YouTube channel, I started a year and a half ago and it's uh, grown by leaps and bounds. I'm very proud of it. It's called the HHH Racing Podcast. Just go to the YouTube search bar and just type in HHH Racing Podcast. We, we're doing two uh, shows two nights a week now, Pete. It's Tuesdays and Thursday uh, nights. We do a recap show and then a preview show. For our upcoming races, we've had a lot of great guests on, including uh, Kevin himself was on to uh, at the beginning of the Canterbury meet to promote the meet. And we're very proud of it has just crossed one hundred and fifty thousand views in the last year and a half. So uh, please make sure you go ahead and subscribe. Check it out. We also have race day blog and a tip sheet as well. Very cool. Great. It's a good array of stuff and, and great content always from Howard, who I know is uh, very respected among tournament players and cash players and horse players of all stripes. But let's talk for another minute about the tournament before we dive in here. And Howard, this one I'll throw right back to you as somebody who had success in this event last year. What is it you like about this format, the $3,000 live bankroll contest going to be happening this Thursday at Canterbury Park? Well, first, Canterbury Park always puts on a, a great show. Um, this particular card uh, last year was the same thing, big fields. I like big fields. It really, um, you know, I think separates the top handicappers from the ones that perhaps struggle, and you can get prices everywhere. Um, it, it definitely helps to know the Canterbury serves a little bit as well, and I, follow, I followed it last year, of course, for In the Money with the blog, and I uh, bet on it this year a lot. But there's also a lot of uh, BC – BC qualifying spots more than normal. Um, I believe last year there were 10. Maybe Kevin can speak more to it. 
Um, I'm not sure how many spots are going to be available this year. 11. 11. So you can go pretty deep, right? It's not just, you don't have to be just the top one or two, um, which allows you to budget your money a little bit differently at the end, which we can talk about later if we have time. But I just like that it offers a lot of spots and big fields. Th those two things uh, perk my interest greatly. And of course, even if you're not playing in the contest, one of the reasons we love Canterbury and try to give them uh, extra love where we can throughout the season is very player-friendly wagering terms, including this 50-cent pick five with the 10% takeout, all the horizontal takeouts are very, very player-friendly when it comes to Canterbury Park. And that's another reason why we'll start today with race number eight. But there's another reason why we wanted to focus on the latter half of the card, Kevin, that we were talking about off-air. Yeah, this is where the contests are decided. I think a lot of people, when they play in these contests, you know, you've got a $3,000 buy-in. You've got uh, $2,000 in live bankroll. You've got to bet 2000 And it comes down to these last few races. And so I think the, the people that are listening right now understand that even though the contest is win, play, show, trifecta, and daily double only, um, there are a lot of ways to attack these races. And for the listeners that maybe aren't going to be in the contest, we have two different 10% takeout pick fives on this Thursday card. One that starts in race two, one that starts in race eight. And I'm telling you, looking at these last five races where the contest will be decided, I see a lot of price potential. Outside of one of the five races where I'm going to single, most likely in my pick five, I see value throughout this card. Let's dive in. Race number eight is a three and up Minnesota bread allowance race going six furlongs on the dirt. Howard will bring you in to get your thought on this field of 12. So a big field. I, I'm going to go with number four, Happy Hour Bobby on top. I sort of like the fact that the last line looks absolutely horrific. I mean, but that was the Minnesota Derby. The horse has a lot of speed. I don't think Happy Hour Bobby, the four, wants to go a mile and 70. And Harry Hernandez, the leading jockey, who has had a fantastic meet there, pretty much just gave up on the horse on the final turn. When I say gave up, I don't mean he wasn't trying to ride. Just It was obvious the horse wasn't going to be a factor. You go back to his previous races, he definitely fits. A horse I'd like to just mention at a price, and I don't know how Kevin feels about this horse. The number five, Silver Dash, 10 to 1 mooring line, gets a trainer change to Martinez, who is 21% off the first off the claim, 55% in the money first off the claim. There's a lot of speed in this race. I'm a little bit interested in Silver Dash, possibly underneath as a closer. I'm going four, five, eight in the first leg of the pick five, Pete. All right, I like the sound of it. In terms of horizontal wagering strategy, I don't know if you really looked at it that way, but would it be the four as a lone A and the five and the eight as backups or, or more using them equally? Yeah, I actually have four, five. I'm using the five as an A because he's a price. I have four, five, A, one, eight, B, two, 12, C, if we're gonna go on to the Cs uh, for purposes of the show. Yeah, why not? We'll 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 give the people. We send around notes to our plus subscribers. They might as well see the whole uh, the whole rundown. Kevin, let's bring you in for your thought on how we're going to get this candle lit in the late pick five. Yeah, when I first looked at this race, I was with Pete. I saw a bunch of speed. Johnny Up's got speed. Happy Hour Bobby, the four that that uh, Howard just talked about, Scott Speed. The nine tap at Sam. The ten raise Angel. The eleven blames Bishop. They're all pure speed. But then I got back to. What I really know, and I know this, Harry Hernandez is great on the lead. He's got the horse that's the, the quickest of the quick, so he can put the other speed away. And he's got a four-to-one morning line, which we don't get a lot of on Harry Hernandez. The fans have picked up on how dominant he has been. He gets bet a lot. But I actually think this horse, because of that running line in the Minnesota Derby where he was taken off the pace, it was a failed experiment. 
he actually scratched out of a race last week where he would have been odds on. So I think gave him one more breeze over the track. I think this is their last kick at the can for a Minnesota bread to take the plus side of the purse. And I'm with Howard. I think the four gets the lead and is gone. And, and I agree on the five. Uh, didn't care for the muddy track. Always tricky when you get a horse claimed off of Carl Broberg, but there is so much pace in the race. I think the five and the eight are the horses underneath you want to use. I think the four, though, uh, at four to one is the value play in the race with Terry Hernandez taking them all the way. Four, five, and eight for Kevin to kick things off. Let's talk about race number nine, where we've got a three and up maiden special weight going five and a half on the dirt. Looks like a field of nine projected to go postward. Kevin, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, and if you've been following Canterbury uh, throughout the meet, especially here in the last couple of weeks, it's been pretty dry here, and both our tracks have been very speed-friendly. Something to keep in mind when you're handicapping uh, for the contest and for this late pick five. And with that in mind, I love these maiden races, especially a maiden race like this where there just are a lot of horses that have had way too many tries. Prize fighter the five is going to get bet. It's Joel Burnt, who's within one of leading our trainer uh, race for the championship behind Mac Robertson. Uh, he's had a bunch of tries. He's been a beaten favorite a bunch of times. I wanted a fresh face. I wanted a lightly raced horse. I don't love the morning line, but I actually think this horse might drift upwards a little bit. I want to go with the four master red. Zeke Laura gets the call here for Joe Roberts, a very uh, under the radar barn to, to say the least. So I, again, I don't think this horse takes a lot of money. And I think in a pick five sequence, if you can get that four home uh, at around three or four to one, I think you'll be doing well. The horse I think you have to use is the nine hurts so bad. It is Mac Robertson. He's desperate to hold on to the lead. He's a 14-time champion trainer at Canterbury. He had a six-win lead on Joel Burnt until this past Saturday on Festival Champions Day where he got shut out, and Joel Burnt won five times. So I would keep a close eye on what Mac does here this closing week. He's always been a guy that's thrown a bunch of horses in uh, closing week to win a championship. So I'm going to use the four and the nine as my A's, and I think the race goes something like four, nine, eight, five, guys. All right, good stuff. Howard, let's bring you back in for your thought on this one. Yeah, I agree with Kevin. I mean, the four Master Red looks like the speed of the speed. And I also agree with the fact that there's a lot of horses in here that have run several times, Pete and Kevin, that I'm just not interested in. I understand the number nine hurts so bad, Kevin, but I, I don't like the 0 for 6. I'm going to go with two other fresh faces, so to speak, that I just want to mention. The eight, uh, Devilish Hour, second time starter. Did okay, first time was a little bit wide. I think you can expect improvement. For, uh, that's another Robertson horse. The other, have we heard about this before, guys? The other chap. <laughs> this, this is the other Robertson. Um, and a horse I just want to throw in there for contest players, just a complete question mark bomb would be the number seven. Tis a stellar dude. This horse is 10 to one. He's been on turf um, in his first two starts going five, but he's got dirt breeding, uh, especially on the dam side, you know, um, out of a, a Tis now mare. So, I don't know. This horse has speed. Maybe Lindy Wade. Nothing wrong with that. Right, Kevin? Yeah, Maybe the seven can take to the dirt and be a surprise package. But I'm going 4-8 uh, are my A's. 1-7-B, 5-9-C. All right. Good stuff. As we prepare to move on to the hinge of this late pick five on this Thursday night card, we've got Dime Claimers going a mile on the dirt. Howard, we'll keep it with you. I have a feeling, Kevin, that Pete, uh, that's, uh, sorry, uh, Pete, that Kevin's uh, single that he mentioned earlier would be my single also. Number two, Hightail Cowboy, looks like he's absolutely long gone uh, for Harry Hernandez again and uh, trainer uh, Silva, Rodriguez Silver. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that uh, 
know, the horse stops, but he's been involved in uh, fast paces. He just looks like he's absolutely gone. Hightail Cowboy, I don't have too much to add. I would go lone A with the two. My backups would be five, nine, ten as C's, but I really don't like anyone in this race other than the two Hightail Cowboy. Kevin, is Howard's prediction correct? Is this where you wanted to uh, get skinny? I hope Howard's uh, horse prognostications go as well as his handicapping <laughs> prognostications on Thursday because he will absolutely win this contest. He's right. This is the single. It's Harry Hernandez. It's Lone Speed. I, I found this race to be uh, just filled with horses that like to come from off the pace. In fact, all the prime contenders on paper, and if you look at the morning line, I think they got it right here, are either wide or coming from well out of it. He draws beautifully to post number two. He's the speed of the speed. The horse I was going to try to get in the trifecta or exacta was the horse just inside of him in Twilight Liaison, who I uh, was lucky enough to catch back in June at a huge price. I don't think he's good enough to beat Hightail Cowboy, but if they go out there and marry around this race at a slow pace on a track that's been very friendly to speed, I think the one could clunk in there to get a piece of this, maybe at second or third at, at a big, big price, 15, 20 to one to intensify the exotics. But I think the two wins, I think the two goes off around even money and the two will absolutely be a pick five single for me. We've got another big field in race number 11, 11 scheduled to go postward in this $4,000 claimer going six and a half on the dirt. We do have a uh, sizable favorite on the morning line in the form of number 11, Milton town. Kevin, are you with or against this runner? I'm against Milton Town. Um, I mean, he can absolutely win. It's a gigantic drop in class. And at this time of year, uh, when people are shipping off to different spots, I get it. Uh, I don't like the layoff. Hasn't been seen now in over a month. Uh, takes this giant uh, drop after a very disappointing effort. I do see a couple of nice workouts. But I was shopping for a price here, guys. And I landed on number eight. I'm going to go with Palace Prince here. Uh, Sophia Berendella is a jockey that a lot of casual Canterbury fans won't recognize. But those of us that... Uh, cover the track on an everyday basis, realize she doesn't get a lot of live mounts. And the ones she does get, she's been great on. And she's won at some big prices. And I think the class drop here at a distance of six and a half furlongs, we're at our track. Uh, that last half furlong matters. And I think for horses in these type of races, route experience helps. And if you go back to this horse's last dirt effort, it was a really good third against a much, much better field. So Palace Prince on the class drop, for a jockey that doesn't seem to get bet, but kind of uh, over, I think, overachieves in the saddle. Uh, I thought the five horse made a ton of sense um, for Nevada Litvin, who's another trainer that's uh, kind of under the radar having a great meet. And that I thought the uh, the six horse yesteryear, if uh, if yesteryear can shake loose of the other speed in the race, uh, might be a tough horse to catch. I have eight, five, six, and I'm going to try to beat the 11. All right. Howard, are you as uh... – in line with the idea that this is maybe a favor to oppose? Kevin, can you please confirm for all the viewers and listeners that we did not talk before the show? <laughs> because I'll tell you what, uh, like Kevin just said before, if he's going to be correct, I'm going to be correct also. I am completely, I totally agree with him. I completely against Milton Town. By the way, the other thing about Milton Town um, is the 11, who's the favorite. Not only that, a huge negative drop for me, and also only... Um, Two, two works, although the last one wasn't bad, but this horse just screams, you know, uh, for sale sign. And I just, I'm against that horse. I'm going to go with the six yesteryear, puts the blinkers back on for Jonathan Wong and Hernandez. I, I think he's the speed of the speed. This is the kind of field to me, guys, where you want to just get to the lead and bottom out the field. 
because I think there's a lot of question marks in here. I do think eight pals Prince is, is definitely interesting. My only concern is the, uh, that race two back that, uh, Kevin mentioned was in the slop. So perhaps that big number and came from the slop, but this horse has numbers on the go back for, uh, Van Belvoir from California. So I agree the, the sort of mystery horse I want to throw out to everyone would be the number four libertarian. This is second time Lindy Wade stretching out, dropping down. I think last time Libertarian was just close, uh, too close to the pace that he wants to be. I expect Wade to take back, guys, and make a run at a price. And I think I saw a double-digit morning line. Yeah, he's 12 to 1 morning line. So my sort of cutesy idea here, we'd try to get the four somewhere in the money. But this is a wide-open race, very tough race. Let's move on to our nightcap. We've got a nice-looking maiden special weight going one mile on the dirt. Howard will ask you the key question, whether we're talking about this contest that happens on Thursday night or the late pick five. How are we going to get paid? Well, as as you guys already mentioned, this last race is huge for the contest and for the pick five, obviously, as well. And boy, did they pick a doozy here, the, the racing secretaries <laughs> here at Canterbury, because I think it's very hard to trust anyone here. The the, the morning line favorite, number three, Aries Reigns, really has much better form on turf. Now, Perhaps the horse is just getting better and will handle the dirt just fine. The horse looks like he's working okay over it. Um, but, you know, you don't really sure if was that turf improvement or just natural improvement as a three-year-old. So I think there's a question there. I'm a little bit interested in the number two, Calzone, who sort of makes me hungry. But anyway, <laughs> I hear see that name. Kelsey Haar is a very good jockey. Um, she can win. She has a very similar profile, uh, the two to the three will be a higher price. I don't see any reason why Calzone can't be a factor here. And I'm just not interested in the horses that are on the outside. Um, Dakota Knight, I think the seven, who's had some chances and just I'm not sure about the distance. The one complete bomb I'll throw in for people that are playing doubles or maybe trying to get alive in the contest, who's number four, not a cry, who looks on the surface like maybe he can get the distance. But how about this breed for not a cry? A half to a former mod horse, Candyman Rocket. Remember that horse, guys, who won Sam F. Davis last year? So obviously this horse doesn't have that kind of ability, but maybe he can get the two turns. Um, I like the jock. This is sort of a, one of those, you know, he's a dropping. I don't know, not a cry. Maybe, you know, wire the field at a big price. I'm going three, two, four in a very difficult closeout leg. All right, let's see if uh, Kevin has any stronger of an opinion here. Uh, or is this another spot to maybe use uh, th- three of the nine and try to cash some tickets? Starting to look around my house for uh, recording devices or uh, <laughs> cameras because I- I've got the race two, three, four. Um, what? And, yeah, I, I, like, I like Calzone. I, 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 when you mentioned that, I started <laughs> chuckling to myself because the listeners are going to think you and I were handicapping together at a Perkins somewhere here in Minnetonka, Minnesota. But uh, nope. yeah, I, you know, I'm a George Costanza guy. And uh, one of my favorite episodes is when he's getting the Cal zone for the boss, George Steinbrenner. I love that episode. I love the bullet workout on September the 8th. And I just think there's a bunch of frauds in here that uh, are not proven at this distance. The three is clearly the totally horse. Agree. To, be. Um, the, to be honest, the dirt form wasn't terrible at Tampa. The horse uh, hit the board uh, in a, in a route race in a maiden 16 at Tampa but Calzone, I think, is is a horse with more upside because, you know, his dirt races in, in Florida, ironically, at Tampa, were just a little bit better than Aries Reigns. And uh, I think when you look at Kelsey Haar, who's won some big long shot races, including on Festival Night, I think she cranked it up with a first-time starter at 
25 to one on uh, Saturday night. She seems to be at her best guys when she's on a closer, she can keep the momentum going. She can keep the horse out of trouble. She's unafraid to go down uh, inside to save ground around that far turn. And I think Calzone gets that type of trip. I am intrigued by not a cry. Uh, I'm absolutely with Howard in that this horse is bred to go the distance. The, the sire of this horse is orb, the Kentucky Derby winner. It's third off a layoff turf to dirt. Lone speed, maybe, maybe if the seven Dakota Knight doesn't have the speed to go with him early. So I've got the race two, three, four. And if I'm in the contest, um, I'm saving enough money where I can make this count because I think we have a price here in Calzone uh, that can be a part of this. Maybe win it, maybe key a nice uh, uh, late daily double for you. So for the contest players out there, uh, head to expressbet.com, head to TVG uh, slash FanDuel to get uh, your, your entries in. It's going to be an amazing contest. And I love that we close with a wide open maiden race because that's what this game is all about, guys. You know, you got to cut your teeth on races like this every single day. And I think fans are going to have a lot of various opinions. Howard and I, though, are going to be in unison. And hopefully we can get uh, cash together on that pick five and get him to qualify for the contest. Well, Kevin, yeah. Kevin, you realize now all these uh, nice price horses are now going to be huge underlays and not a cry is going to go off at five to two in the last race. <laughs> that, that'd be a problem. That would be a problem. And uh, and I hope that uh, I, I think a lot of the contest players that, that really play big time uh, tickets, big money win bets, um, go with their own opinion. I think they like to hear what everybody else is thinking, but I, I still think uh, these prices will hold up. And if, if you look at the guys that are riding these horses, you got Carlo Lopez on the four, you got Sophia Berendella on the three, and you got Kelsey Har on the two. Um, what I don't see is Rye Eckleberry, Harry Hernandez, Lindy Wade, and Zeke Laura, the horses that seem to get bet by the betting public that plays our track on a regular basis. So I do think we're going to be okay on the value side. Uh, I think it's a super intriguing card, and I think all three cards this week uh, merit a long look. We race Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We have a pick four carryover that starts in race one Wednesday. We have multiple pick fives and pick fours on these giant cards for both Thursday and closing day Saturday, and I want people to note that both Thursday uh, and Saturday uh, we have an adjusted post time. Uh, Saturday's a 4 o'clock start, so keep that in mind. Thursday we stay with the 5 o'clock even though we've got 12 races. Right, so that's five. That's local time. So six o'clock to get involved in the in the contest. If you're, you know, the usual Eastern time that we throw out here. Yeah, that first race. Uh, I'm seeing six ten for the first race on Thursday. Couple of other programming notes. One, historically, it's been a good thing when we've had a lot of agreement on these airwaves. So that that might mean you want to take these picks a, a little bit extra seriously. If you want a digest of all the picks, so you don't have to write this stuff down while they're going on. We send that out to our In The Money Plus subscribers if you want to check that out, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. Howard, if you have a full grid beyond the horses we talked about, if you want to send that to me privately, I'll make sure that gets included in the in the plus email as well. But obviously, we, we got all of your high-level thoughts here. That's important. And then, you know, the last thing I wanted to say uh, as far as the card goes before I, I tell you a little bit more about some stuff going on at the weekend at Canterbury in this last race, we have not just a tip, but a, a dining recommendation in Calzone. So hopefully folks will, will take both of those to heart. Um, I talked about the contest on the, the, we have the contest on Thursday. That is, as Kevin alluded, available through Express Bet and TVG. I would get on there and get signed up as soon as possible. Uh, I think it's TVG has a, an earlier deadline. I think Express Bet you can sign up day of, but but why wait? Go ahead and get involved on there. And if you want more details about the contest, CanterburyPark.com very clearly 
on the homepage, there is a, a Big Ten BCBC um, button that you can click and get the, the ad, the, get all the information there, and the, and the application form is what I meant to say. And if you're live at Canterbury, the longest-running live bankroll contest of them all, the Dog Days of Summer, that's happening over on the weekend once again. You've got uh, NHC seats in that one as opposed to BCBC. And once again, you can get all the information over at CanterburyPark.com. Guys, I think we've done uh, what we can do. Just want to thank you one more time for uh, taking time out of a busy day. And, you know, you the, 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 that pre-calc isn't going to teach itself, Howard. No, that's for sure. And by the way, can I really get a quick shout out to everyone at Canterbury? He does a great job, including folks like Angela Herman, who's on with, you know, Kevin on the simulcast feed, uh, Jeff Madey, the media relations director how can i not mention paul allen one of the i don't know if underrated is the word but he's one of the best uh track announcers in the country uh canterbury always puts on a great show look forward to hopefully uh being back there in person uh next year and uh repeating my contest score from last year i finished sixth <laughs> out of uh, 100 and whatever but it's gonna be hard there's a lot of great players uh playing this contest thursday we'll be following it with great interest kevin really appreciated having you on godspeed this final weekend over there yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And it starts with Jeff Madea in the press box. He's kind of the ringleader. He has so much passion for the game and so much passion for Canterbury. And I've been all over the country playing contests. Nobody runs a better contest than Jeff Madea at Canterbury. You're right about Paul Allen. I think he's one of the best track announcers in the country each and every year. Love working with Angela Herman. She is so, so good. And she's found a bunch of long shots for us this year. And if you guys as listeners have any questions leading up to these races, any of the days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, or Saturday, but specifically Thursday for the contest. You can bang any of us on Twitter. I'm at, at Gorgomatic21. And if you have any handicapping questions or want picks or anything, I'm happy to share any of that with you guys. Love being on with you, Pete. I've been listening to you for many, many years. I've worked with Howard. Now I can say I've worked with you. So I'm working with some of the great people in this business that love the game like we do. So thanks for having me on. You're very, very kind. Howard, plug your Twitter handle real quick before we get out of here. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's at H Kravitz, spelled H-K-R-A-V as in victory, E-T-S as in Sam, at H Kravitz. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's it's our basically our podcast uh, uh, Twitter handle. So I uh, would love everyone to uh, follow that as well. Very good stuff. Well, thank you guys one more time. We'll thank that entire team at Canterbury who've been an absolute pleasure to work with. I feel bad we didn't get Angela on this year, but uh, we'll get her on again soon. Always a pleasure having her on the airwaves and somebody I love running into at racetracks across America. Um, that's going to do it. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>